Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Fish Tank Guy here, and welcome to the Fish Tank Guy podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 14th, and that is right. Today's Valentine's Day there for everybody who uh, has a sweetie or someone you love or you care about. And, uh, yeah, so I hope everybody's doing well. I'm uh, doing pretty good keeping up with my bi-weekly podcast here. I think only maybe one week I slip behind, but this week I think I'm on time, so I'm feeling good about that. Um, today, celebrating Valentine's Day, you know, going to take my, my wife out to lunch there, and then... Um, I think later on we're just we're we're eating Valentine's Day cookies and her and I are gonna make some sort of dinner, maybe strawberry pancakes or something like that for us and the kids. And that will be our Valentine's Day. So what are all you uh what are all you folks out there up to on Valentine's Day? Are you going out to eat? Are you staying at home? Are you are you sad today? Don't be sad. Don't be sad today. If you are a single fella or a single lady, you know, you don't have to be sad today. Do something for you today. Today could be like a treat yourself day. <laughs> treat yourself day. Treat yourself to a pizza and get all of the toppings on it that you like and you don't have to worry about toppings that anyone else likes. So you could do that. You could... um you could rent a movie. Do people rent movies anymore? You could rent a movie from a store, or you could uh, view a movie on Netflix, or you know you could watch an old classic. You could do something like that. You could uh, read a book. You could, you know, peruse the internet. There's all there's all kinds of stuff you could do. You could play guitar. You could you could learn a foreign language. The, the, your options are endless. Don't hold yourself back. So don't feel sad today. There's good things about being single. You know, there's good things about being married, but there's good things about being single too. So if you are a single fella or a single lady here on Valentine's Day, don't be too sad. Be, uh, be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Um, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your day. Really, it's just another day. It's a marketing, it's a marketing day to make some money off Hallmark cards. But, um, yeah, so hopefully you have a good day today and you have a good week. Oh, you could also, you know, start a fish tank or you could uh, maintain your current aquarium if you want on Valentine's Day. Just a couple ideas for you, throwing throwing out there for you. So, excited about the podcast today. Got a couple things to talk about. Got a nice topic. I'll be talking, I'll be talking about, sorry, I'll be talking about salt creep today which is not something you really hear a whole lot about, but I know a lot of people have problems with it. So we're going to talk about salt creep a little bit. Um, don't have too much random news to talk about. going to give you an update on my tanks. Um, tell you about a couple games I'm playing. Give you those uh, movie breakdowns. I got a fun movie to talk about today. And then um, I got my fish of the week. So I'm not going to say I'm going to come in under half an hour because I more than likely won't. So why bother? Um... Let's see what what's been going on. So Valentine's Day, I went out and I bought some some a few a few gifts for my wife. And uh, when I was out, I don't know if anybody else does this, but when you're out and you're shopping for someone else and you find something that you know they would not probably like, but you like, 
I'm not just talking about Valentine's Valentine's Day. I'm talking about any day. Uh, I went out and I was in the candy aisle, you know, perusing, and um, there were caramel M and M's that I had never had before, nor I had ever seen them before. I think they've been out for a while now because the package wasn't like, you know, stamped with new all over it. Usually they do that if they have a new flavor variety but i was like you know what i'm gonna give these a try i'm gonna buy these caramel m&ms even though i should be shopping for somebody else i'm gonna buy some for myself dang it right so i bought these caramel m&ms dang they're good i gotta say they're pretty good if you like caramel and you like m&ms you're gonna like caramel m&ms <laughs> why I, why wouldn't you i don't uh, if you don't like M&M's and you don't like caramel, you probably won't like M&M's. In other, <laughs> in other things that are, uh, in, 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 in other news that's obvious. Um, anyway, so those are really good. And, uh, other than that, you know, things have just been kind of cruising along lately. The basketball team that I'm coaching is doing okay. We lost a game, won a game in the last two weeks. Um, but the kids are playing really hard and I'm, I'm really pr- proud of them for doing their best and, you know, putting forth their best effort. And I think that's what's most important. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people that say winning and losing. Winning is not important. Losing, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not one of those. Like, it's important to win. Like, I'm old school mentality where I think you should, not only should you try your best, but winning should be your goal, right? It shouldn't be like, let's just try our best and go out there and have a nice time. No, I'm I'm not about that. So uh, I am happy, though, as long as the kids try their best. Uh, the recent team we played, the other team, they had a few really good players. And I would say, like, player-to-player-wise, they were more talented than we were. But we hung with them for most of the game. And outside of free throws from fouling at the end, we would have only lost by about four points. So it was a really it was a really good game. So I was happy about that. Um, other than that, let's see. we got Oh, we got the Winter Olympics. Hopefully you guys are checking out the Winter Olympics. Um, even if you're not a big sports fan or you know, an Olympics fan, I, you know, I recommend that you just watch the Winter Olympics and and try to appreciate the talent that, that some of these people have. And, um, it's really easy to kind of like, like look at it and say like, ah, yeah, whatever. It's not, you know, it doesn't look all that difficult. Well, you have to keep in mind that these people have trained for years and years and years, and they make this stuff. that's really difficult, look really easy. So, like I was watching figure skating. I watched figure skating with my parents as a kid growing up. Um, and like they're, they're really good. There, there are some of the guys now that pull off quad jumps regularly, which is pretty cool. And, um, I can't even skate backwards and I can't even stop when I'm skating forwards on ice. So I watch them and I'm like, wow, these, this is amazing. How do you even get the guts? How do you, that's what I want to know. How do you even get the guts to attempt one of those for the first time? Not even a, a quad, a, like a, a single. How do you get the guts to say like, all right, I'm going to jump and I'm going to spin around and I'm going to land on one foot. I don't know. So good for them. Um, I was watching snowboarding the other night. That's a lot of fun. Downhill skiing, speed skating. There's all, all, a whole lot of good stuff about the Winter Olympics, so maybe check it out if it's if it's not something that you've you've really been interested in before. Just give it a give it a try. Give watch it a few nights and try to appreciate you know some of the athleticism that's really taking place there that they make look very easy. So um, there we got that going on, and um, I don't know. That's about it. Everything else is kind of par for the course lately. It's still cold here in Erie. 
cold here and dreary eerie. And um, we um, we just passed the snowfall record for our city, I believe, for like of all time. So it's been a fun winter, and this train is not slowing down anytime soon. So we'll beat that record in the face with a crowbar before the uh, season is over. Okay, so what else has been going on? Video game-wise, I just finished Wolfenstein The New Order last night. Uh, It's a first-person shooter. Originally came out on the 360. I'm playing it on the Xbox One. I gotta be honest with you. The reviews for it were really good. And for me, the first half of the game was really good. But then after that first half of the game, it kind of went downhill. It became very tedious. Um, The enemies were very samey. And the one thing that I don't like about some shooter games is when they don't give you any feedback as as to if you're doing any damage. So there are a lot of like robots and, you know, armored enemies. And you'll be shooting at them and sometimes you are wondering like, am I actually doing damage? Am I going to get past a section? That kind of thing. Um, so that was kind of frustrating. The last boss I thought was like very poorly designed. I thought it was really kind of, kind of dumb. Um, and I was disappointed in that. So, I mean, was it worth playing? Yeah. You know, I'd say it was worth playing, but you know, I wouldn't really give it good marks and I don't really see it as a game I would go back and play again, even years down the road. Just because, you know, by the time I got to the end of the game, like I said, it was like very repetitive. I was just kind of tired of it. It was about a 12-hour campaign. I thought it was about four hours too long. Maybe an eight-hour campaign would have been a little bit better. But there wasn't enough variety in uh, the gameplay to keep it interesting. And the environments weren't varied enough to keep it really interesting. So, like I said, the beginning of the story, uh, beginning of the game, I was like, I was like, oh man, this game is awesome. But by the end, I was like, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing this so I can move on to something else. So, not really a good way to feel when you finish a game. But hey, it is what it is. I will say the story was pretty interesting. Um, and uh, for a Wolf Wolfenstein game, the story was much more involved than they usually are usually they're just running gun shoot nazis and there was a little bit more there this time but yeah overall it was just it was just okay um i the only other thing that's basically what i've been playing lately me and my buddy finished dungeon defenders 2 we beat the the last boss and gotta be honest with you dungeon defenders 1 was much better in our opinion and now that we've finished the last boss we don't know if we're going to move on to like the post-game stuff like the extra maps and the chaos modes and things like that we might kind of just drop that game and let it die um and then in addition to that i just purchased a game for the switch called golf story it's supposedly some sort of rpg uh game uh, revolving around golf and i don't know if anybody's played it but if you have played it maybe let me know what you thought about it in the comments and uh i'm looking forward to starting it. i don't know when i will but that's something coming up for me gaming wise uh what's next oh uh how are my local tanks doing local tanks they're the only tank i don't have any remote tanks or network tanks but my my tanks here uh my bio cube is doing okay i'm actually in the process of doing multiple water changes close together because i feel that ever since i've moved that tank has not quite been right it hasn't quite been right it's never been back to it's former glory i would say the corals aren't puffed up and wide open like they used to be 
Um, so I just did a water change last night. I want to try to do another one today and potentially another one tomorrow or the day after. And I'm hoping that will, you know, brighten up the tank a little bit. The 10 gallon tank is doing really well. Um, I can't wait to migrate it over to the fish tank tower and the Pico Reef is still doing fine. I'm not really paying much attention to it. I just don't have the time right now. So as far as the fish tank tower goes, I haven't made much progress since the last podcast. Everything is plumbed together. Um, I got a more, I got an improved return pump that pumps a, an appropriate amount of water up to the top tank. Um, so I'll have good flow through that. And then I actually purchased a heater and I had to send the heater back because it was a little bit longer than I expected. And I got a shorter heater that will fit in the middle chamber in the sump. So I've got the heater. I've got the pump. Um, I want to mount the hanging LED that I currently have above my 10-gallon tank soon before I push the stand back so I can drill holes into the, you know, the overhead wood beams in my basement um, without getting wood chippings all in the tanks and everything like that. So I'm going to try to do that this week. And then um, I need to coerce my wife to help me figure out what the aquascape should be for quote unquote her tank that is, you know, she's like, she's like, it's not going to be my tank. It's still going to be your tank. And I was like, yeah, but it's like inspired by the way you would like it to look and what you would like in it. So I'm going to have her help me break apart some rocks. I bought like 40 pound of rock from Amazon and they came in huge, huge pieces that I will have to break apart. Um, but it'll give us some variety in terms of setting up the aquascape. So I'm okay with that. So I got to do that. And then hopefully I'll make some progress on that next week. So, um, what else now we are on, I'm, I'm moving right along today. I'm at a solid clip. I'm at 14 minutes. So I feel like 30 is a possibility. Okay. So now let's move on to five movies in five minutes or less. I don't know if I'm going to hit the five minutes or less because I got one movie that I want to talk about quite a bit, but I'm going to do, uh, the first two movies are movies that I watched long ago. And we recently, we rewatched them with the kids. The first is Maze Runner. And the second is Maze Runner Scorch Trials. If you've never seen them, um, think Hunger Games. If you've never seen Hunger Games, think Labyrinth. I uh, I don't know. It's um a bunch of kids that in the first movie they're trapped in a maze and they don't know why they're there. They lost their memory. They only know their name. They don't know anything other than that. But they're uh they are stuck in a maze. But in the middle of the maze, there's like a glade, and that's where they live. And every day the walls to the maze open up and they can go out and try to explore the maze. But at nighttime, the walls close and there are creatures in the maze called grievers that normally kill them. Um, it's a really interesting movie. I thought it was really well done. I liked it better than the hunger games. I gave maze runner, the first one, an a minus and I gave maze runner, the scorch trials an a, I liked them both a lot. I don't know. If I would hold on to those grades long term, I might just give them both A's or give Maze Runner an A, Scorch Trials an A minus. But they're both A, A minus movies. So they're definitely worth checking out. I really enjoyed those movies. The new one is out in theaters. I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't heard great things about it. So I'm a little disappointed about that. But, um, okay. So now we're reaching back a little bit before I talk about the newest movie. Um, I watched It Comes at Night. 
It is the story of a family hold up inside their home during what seems to be a post in what seems to be a post apocalyptic world. Um, this movie sucked. It, it was marketed as a horror movie, but the movie goes absolutely nowhere. Nothing happens. There is a little, you know, family drama, drama when their fam when the main family meets another family. But other than that, the movie is entirely lame. I gave it an F. Do not watch it. Um, you know, if there's somebody you don't like, have them watch it because it's not good. And then um, another movie that I saw, this was back in the end of September, was It. Obviously, It is the remake of the TV series about, and this is just my little synopsis that I jot down, a remake of the TV series about a clown who terrorizes a town feeding on fear. Um I thought the movie was pretty good. It was definitely not very scary. I thought it was really well done, though. Um, some of the scenes were a little bit cheesy, like, and I, I get that's the way the clown is supposed to be, but it takes away from a little of that fear factor. Um, the plot was a little bit questionable in terms of where the clown was. He was popping up multiple places what, at what seemed to be the same time. Um, I don't know. Uh, so there were some, there were some plot holes there that were a little bit odd, but I thought the movie was really cool. Stylistically, it was really neat. The clown like looked creepy, but again, the overall feel of the movie is that it just was not very scary. And I like my scary movies to be kind of scary. So I gave it a B, which is, you know, solid grade B, B movie for, uh, it, the new version of it. Okay, the last movie I want to talk about is The Cloverfield Paradox. This movie is a very, um, uh, what's the word when one half of people think it's good and one half of people think it's bad? Divisive. Is that the word? I don't know. Divisive, I think. Anyway, The Cloverfield Paradox was released the night of the Super Bowl. As a surprise, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl announcing the Cloverfield Paradox movie, announced that it was coming to Netflix, and then we found out it would be available that night after the Super Bowl. I was super excited. I love the first Cloverfield. I loved uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I was really looking forward to this. There had been talks about when it was coming out, like there was no release date for it, and boom, they hit us with it. So I was like really excited. I did not get to watch the night of the Super Bowl because we watched This Is Us, which was very sad. Um, but uh, so we watched This Is Us instead. But um, we ended up watching the Cloverfield Paradox a few days later. And I gotta say, I really liked it too. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't like it. They said, you know, the plot was confusing. The they didn't answer questions. And I maybe maybe people didn't really understand that the plot was supposed to be confusing. They were not supposed to answer questions. It was supposed to be a movie that was tied into the Cloverfield movies that came before it, but it wasn't supposed to answer questions about anything. You know, it wasn't supposed to necessarily say like this happened because of this, right? It was more of more or less supposed to be a while wow, these events happened and they could have led to the, well, not they could have, they did lead. They did lead to the events that took place in the other two movies, but you're not exactly sure what happened. So in a nutshell, there's a crew that's in a spaceship 
um, orbiting the Earth. The Earth is running out of energy. There is a particle accelerator on this spaceship they are trying to fire in order to supply the Earth with unlimited energy. Now, they've, they thought it would take a month. They have fired this particle accelerator over 40 times and it has never worked. It's been, I believe, like almost two years that they've been in outer space trying to get this thing to work. They finally get it to work. It overloads and all hell breaks loose. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially you're dealing with what could potentially be time time being manipulated and also dimensions being manipulated and joined. Um, so there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this movie, but it's supposed to be weird because these are concepts and things that are primarily rooted in sci-fi fiction and it's nothing we've ever experienced, right? So they're just kind of making it up and making up like what could happen if something like this were to occur in real life. I thought it was really interesting. I thought the ties to the Cloverfield movies were very subtle, but they were cool. There was one that was not very subtle at all that I'm not going to give away, but like at one point in the movie, there is a conspiracy theorist on a TV talking about the Cloverfield paradox um, and the potential for monsters and demons to show up. And that person talking about the conspiracy theory was the brother of John Goodman's character in 10 Cloverfield Lane, who was the you know, doom, doomsday prepper, right? Who had his bunker and everything. So I thought that was really cool. There were a couple other subtle hints that, uh, you know, went back to the previous movies and I really liked it. I gave it an A. Some people are going to be like, dude, what's wrong with you? The movie sucked. But I don't really understand. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, the, the, the problems caused by the overload of this particle accelerator were unique and were unpredictable. So that was really cool. And, um, Overall, I just thought it was a good movie. So I know I went over my five movies in five minutes or less, but it, it was worth it to talk about the Cloverfield Paradox a little bit. If you guys liked it or you didn't like it, why don't you you know put something in the comments below or maybe shoot me something on Twitter and we can talk about it a little bit. I like to you know debate and I like to theorize if anybody has that kind of stuff you know, tucked away in their back pocket to talk about. So there is my, uh, there are my movie reviews. Okay. So now let's get to our, the fish tank guy podcast, fish tank topic of the week. That is not the name of it. I just said that for the first time. So, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is salt creep. Salt creep is, uh, you know, it's almost inevitable, right? Um, I didn't necessarily get a question about this, but I know that some I know some people have issues with it, and I think the question that most people have is how do I keep keep how do I keep salt creep under control? Say that five times fast. How do I keep salt creep under control? I don't know. Anyway, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a couple quote unquote official sources. Then I'm going to hit the message boards like we do here on the Fish Tank Guy podcast. And then we're going to wrap it up with the Fish of the Week. And I'm not going to finish under 30 minutes again. So uh, maybe someday. Not too worried about it. All right. So I am at this website called Saltwater Smarts. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. I'm sorry. All right. I'm at this website called Saltwater Smarts. And the title of this article is Salt Creep Control with Five Simple Techniques. Okay. I'm going to read a little bit about this. Um, 
it, it starts with, a, with telling you what salt creep is, and then it gives you these five five tips uh, or five techniques. Okay, here we go. If you're new to the hobby and haven't yet experienced or heard of salt creep, it isn't the name of some diabolical supervillain wrecking havoc in Gotham City. This is like, you know, fish tank person's humor, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, doll, <laughs> diabolical supervillain, <laughs> salt creep. <laughs> Rather, it's the crusty buildup of salt that develops on any surface on or around the aquarium that's exposed to saltwater spray or splashes, such as tank rims, covers, stands, power cords, protein skimmers, overflows, light fixtures, etc. Remember, only pure fresh water evaporates, so when saltwater splashes on these surfaces and dries up, all the stuff dissolved in it, i.e. the salt, gets left behind. Without regular cleaning, the resultant buildup will gradually increase in thickness and spread further over surfaces, hence the name salt creep. All right, here are their five techniques. Number one, minimize surface splashing. Vigorous water movement at the surface of your aquarium is desirable because it helps promote proper gas exchange, but you don't want splashing if you can help it. For instance, you could use air stones or a bubble wand to create water movement. All those rising bubbles constantly bursting at the surface will lead to quite a buildup of salt creep. In contrast, positioning a submersible powerhead just below the surface will create a nice rolling effect with minimal splashing. Okay, so there's the first technique. Minimize surface splashing. Number two, put a lid on it. It's like put a ring on it, put a lid on it. Putting a cover glass on your aquarium will significantly reduce salt creep on surfaces adjacent to or above the tank. Of course, the cover itself will still be vulnerable to buildup, but it's a lot easier to clean just the cover glass rather than every surface around the tank. I should point out, however, that this may not be the best option for reef systems as a cover Glass combined with high-intensity reef lighting can cause the water temperature to climb higher. All right, so there's the second technique. Put a lid on your tank. All right, number three, clean your light fixture regularly. Salt creep and light fixtures are a bad combination for several reasons. One is that salt creep building up on the splash lens reduces the intensity of the light passing through. Another is that salt creep penetrating inside the fixture itself can clog and corrode components, leading to unsafe operation or failure of the unit. Regular cleaning is a must. So that's not necessarily, uh, uh, I guess, yeah, it's a way to control it. It's a way to control it. It doesn't prevent it, but it's a way to control it. Remove number four, remove valued objects from the salt creep zone. Any valued furnishings, artwork, knickknacks, gigaws, doodads, or doohickeys subject to damage or corrosion from salt creep should be moved a fair distance from the tank. Thingamabobs, on the other hand, dot, 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 dot. More fish tank humor there. Okay, and number five, clean early and clean often. Salt creep tends to build up very gradually, so the more frequently you wipe down affected surfaces, the easier the cleanup job and the better your aquarium and equipment will look. Once weekly cleanings are usually sufficient to stay ahead of salt creep, without having to use too much elbow grease. So there you go. There are five tips from saltwatersmarts.com to help control salt creep. Minimize surface splashing. Put a lid on it. Clean your light fixture regularly. Remove valued objects from the salt creep zone. And clean early and clean often. So I would say like maybe those are three tips, right? Minimize surface splashing. Put a lid on it and clean early and clean often which could include your light and removing objects from the salt creep zone is not really helpful at all. So 
they need to change the name of their article uh, from salt creep control with five simple techniques to three ways to help control salt creep. That's what they need to do. All right. Thank you, Saltwater Smarts. Mr. Jeff Kurtz there, sir, November 1st, 2013. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> now on to our next uh, official source. This is the Spruce. I've used this source a few times when talking about aquarium stuff. The title of this article is Aquarium Salt Creep Dealing with a Corrosive Substance. Now, this is by Stan and Debbie Houter. H-A-U-T-E-R. Uh, oh, a little husband and wife there. Updated 218 of 2017. Okay, so it was updated roughly one year ago. Um, they say, what is aquarium salt creep? What are the effects of salt creep? Um, this is interesting here. Um, if you allow the salt to you know stay on your tank for uh, a prolonged amount of time, glass, acrylic, and plastic can become etched. When the salt water settles and dries, residual white water spots develop, and glass in particular takes on a foggy appearance. So that's one reason to keep it clean, just keep up with it. Um, we've got electrical items corroding, um, unprotected bulbs uh, can become encrusted with a layer of salt which blocks light, which we saw mentioned before. Um, protective glass and covers can become encrusted as well as etched, reducing in a reduction of light in the aquarium. Um, that kind of thing. Okay, how to deal with salt creep? Let's say what. Let's see what they say. Here's how. Um, pretty much more the same. Keep the tank hood, stand, light fixture, and other such items clean by wiping them down with a cotton rag. Uh, remove and rinse off pieces of equipment that can be cleaned in fresh water. Um, position electrical equipment out of the range of splash zones. Unplug and wipe down electrical equipment, power cords, plugs, outlets. Protect nearby walls by attaching a sheet of clear acrylic to act as a splash board. Wow, if you got like salt creep on your walls, you got some crazy splashing going on in your tank. Um, place towels on the floor around the bottom of the aquarium during during maintenance. Okay, keep the water level up to or just above the tank's trim line to help reduce etching of the aquarium material. Um, avoid using bubble wands and air stones. Direct the flow of outlets to re that return water to the aquarium, um, as well as equipment used to move water inside the aquarium in a way that reduces splashing, something we read before. Um, let's see. Paint any unpainted wood surfaces with a good quality enamel paint. This makes the wood surface easy to clean. Um and also easy to keep salt free with a wipe of a damp cloth. So again, you know, this article is basically more of a reactionary way to handle salt creep. Let's peruse the message boards a little bit, see if there are any other suggestions. Okay, here we go. We've got, we're on Reef Central. And... This is a post from 2012 by Seamoth29. He says, all along the room of my bio cube, I get a bunch of salt creep. Is there any way to prevent it? And to get it off other than wiping it with a towel. Gmate says in response, if you get creep, it's because you have salt water splashing or there is a slow leak. Either your tank is leaking or your power heads overflow or splashing and the water is trickling down. Okay, so he's trying to help solve the problem. 
Um, Scarface says sometimes it could be from evaporation. It's finding a spot where it just likes to creep and build up. That is my experience. For example, I get a lot of salt creep in my fuge area in my sump. I'm thinking that how the sump is set up with a lid and a few breather holes, it creates a very dense evaporation of salt water and it finds the seam between the sump, sump's walls and sump's wall, sump's wall and lid. After a while, it just builds up and I just clean it off. Okay. Um, the original poster said, I think it's because of the water being pushed up and splashing. Well, why did you ask? Uh, Mongo 77, I heard that wiping the glass with a vinegar water solution may inhibit the growth of it. Rubber Frog just said crystals grow. Um, Jacob Morgan 78 says, micro bubbles bursting gets me, got rid of them, and I got rid of the creep. Um, let's see. Original poster. That may be my problem. The micro bubbles. I'll have to look into it. Let's see. Um, let's see. Further down the thread, fish kid 33. Does it affect the salinity in the tank? And I have every, and I have every were, Besides my display, period, my sump, comma, refugium, and the QT. Is there any chemical or solution that will get rid of it? Uh, the next guy, Salty Drip, said, Salt Creep Eliminator. You can get it at Petco. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so we'll look into that in a minute here. So there you have some suggestions. Um, oh, here's an interesting Here's an interesting question on another on another board. This is AquariumAdvice.com. The question is from Les Paul Guy a guitar player i'm assuming from new brunswick there um is it bad for salt creep to fall back in the tank when i clean my tank there's always evaporated salt all over the lights filters etc is it bad if some of it falls into the tank or should i even put it all back in me personally i put it back in um it's just salt right it shouldn't hurt anything um the first person responded they said if some of the solid fault oh boy if some of this solid salt falls onto corals it can burn them Best to not let it fall back in. Only add salt mixed in a separate container already, never directly to the tank. I mean, yeah, kind of. Some people are just like overly like crazy. Um, This guy, this guy confirms it, right? You're talking about salt creep. I usually knock mine back in. I have a full grown SPS tank and never had any issues doing that. So uh, the next guy, I never had any issues either, though it is annoying. I worked on addressing my salt creep issues by putting pantyhose on everything that water trickled out of. So, I mean, in this guy's case, he would rather have pantyhose all over his equipment rather than just clean up his salt creep every now and then. Interesting. Um, Let's see. And this person said, salt creep is generally not a good idea to knock back into the tank. It can raise your salinity depending on how much you knock in. What? Also, any undissolved salt that lands on a on a coral will burn the coral. Okay, I can see that one more. I've had a few run-ins over the years with chunks of salt creep falling on corals and burning them. It's best to... T- it's best to tank a cloth wet... With RODI and white, it's best to take a cloth wet with RODI and wiping down, wipe down any surfaces weekly. 
were where Salt Creep is building. This guy, I mean, he loses a point because his grammar is terrible. It's okay. This helps prevent salt falling into the tank eventually. It only takes salt landing on coral for a few seconds to burn it. Now I can I can see that point, but his first point of it can raise your salinity. I mean, he does realize that salt creep was salt that was in your water. It's evaporated, and it's no longer in your water. As long as you are topping off your tank with RODI water as you are putting the salt back in, it's not going to raise your salinity. It's going to be the same. So that's kind of silly. That's the end of that thread. All right, let's close that tab. Um, I mean, I think you guys get the point. There's another... There's a thing on reeftank.com. I'm not, I'm not going to read that. I just looked up this salt creep eliminator that this person spoke about. They've got it on Amazon and Marine Depot. There's a couple ones. There's a Kent Marine one and Core Life and another Kent Marine. Let's take a look. All right. The one on Amazon is... Ugh. The one on Amazon is Kent Marine Salt Creep Eliminator 8-ounce bottle. It's $14.77. has three stars. Only six reviews. Uh, let's look at the reviews. So far, so good. Controlling my salt creep. Still have to wipe it down weekly, but it doesn't get as bad as when I didn't use it. Before, I was wiping it two times weekly. Cuts wipe time down in half. Nice product. Woo. Really works. Uh, next person said one star. Garbage. Nothing stops salt creep. LOL. Love this product. Very impressed. Instead of spraying it directly where I want to use it, I just spray it on a cloth and wipe down the areas I use it on. It's working great. <clears throat> Next one. Uh, I am shocked. Unbelievably effective. Don't know how they do it, but this stuff works. Reef safe too. And the final one. One star. Didn't work at all. All right. So mixed reviews. Um, let's see. Marine Depot also sells these. Marine Depot sells a Coralife and a Kent Marine. And let's go to the Coralife first. This item has been discontinued. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, and let's go to the Kent one. Uh, this item has also been discontinued. <laughs> oh man, the Kent one has one star. Yeah, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste your money. I wouldn't waste your money on this. This salt creep eliminator. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Uh, I don't buy it. It's been discontinued from numerous websites, and I can't find it readily available anywhere else other than one brand on Amazon. And it has mixed reviews. Um, I think what you should do if you have salt creep in your tank is you should look at ways you can reduce the amount of splashing. You should also look at ways to have a, a, a more tightly fitting hood or glass cover on your tank that will help cut down. And other than that, you just kind of need to wipe it away every now and then. I had an issue with my bio cube where I would have salt creep all around the rim of the aquarium. And what I found out is that the tank was not level. The tank wasn't level. It was not, it was like the front of the tank was a little bit lower than the back. So it was sloped forward. The water level was a little bit higher than it's supposed to be. And it would, it would, you know, come up onto the, the rim where the lid sits. 
and that's how the salt creep would form. So if you're dealing with salt creep, your best bet is to try to reduce your splashing, try to have a you know more tightly fitting hood, make sure your tank is level, and then I would say just try to keep up with it on you know a weekly basis. Just wipe it away here and there. And personally, I have no issues with putting salt creep salt back into the tank. You don't want it to fall directly on corals. You could put it in your hang on back filter if you have one of those, or maybe you could drop it in the tank like in a corner where you don't have any corals, and I don't think it should cause any negative adverse effects. So there you go with our uh, topic of the week this week, salt creep. Thank you, salt creep, for being you. All right. Now we're moving on to fish of the week. I've gone 40 minutes, so, well, 30 minutes just is not looking like it's ever going to be doable. All right, I'm on liveaquaria.com. The fish of the week this week is the flame angelfish because this fish is dope, man. This fish looks nice. I tell you, it's orange. It's orange with like blue on the tips of its fins with like black kind of accent stripes down the middle of its body. It's really awesome. All right, let's let's look at some quick stats here. Minimum tank size, 70 gallons, quite a bit. Care level moderate, temperament semi-aggressive. Uh, reef compatible with caution. Max size, 4 inches, color form, blue, orange, and yellow. Um, diet omnivore. I'm not going to talk about the origins and stuff like that. Okay, we're going to read the overview. We're going to hit up a few um, testimonials. And we're going to end the podcast on Valentine's Day today. All right. The Flame Angelfish is a flashy addition to many aquariums. One of the most popular of the dwarf angelfish, the Flame Angelfish, is a bold red-orange color with vertical black stripes highlighting the body. I kind of said that earlier. And horizontal black stripes along the caudal portions of the blue-tipped dorsal and anal fins. The Flame Angelfish requires at least a 70-gallon aquarium with lots of hiding places and live rock for grazing. The flame angelfish is prone to nip at stony and soft corals and clam mantles. If the flame angelfish is to be added to a peaceful community, it should be the last fish introduced. That's very important because it's semi-aggressive. The flame angelfish adapts well to aquarium life, but should be kept in an established system and housed with similar genera. The flame angel is very sensitive to elevated levels of copper and should never be exposed to levels near or above 0.15 ppm i don't measure copper don't care about copper at all son so um you know if you deal with copper there's your there's your uh you know whatever okay there's more about coloration and things like that but let's get to the customer testimonials so i don't keep you guys super long here um all right let's do let's do three or four of them very hardy fish this is from omar h from port washington new york very hardy fish with beautiful colors, but beware of aggression. I was able to keep two of these in a tank together with what seemed to be only play fighting, so I thought I could bring in another angel, a coral beauty, and they ganged up on it together and killed it. Dang, son! Man, you don't come in my hood. This is my hood. Ganged on, they ganged up on it, man. This is gang territory, son. This is flame angel. This is flame angel wood. <laughs> All right. They also act aggressively towards my damsels. Other than that, a great fish. All right. Candy V. Candy V from Washburn, uh, Wisconsin. This is an absolutely gorgeous fish. I've had mixed experience with their acceptance of different diets. Bold, beautiful, and active. All right. 
Let's see. Let's give Craig L. a go. Craig L. from West Lynn, Oregon says, I purchased a Flame Angel for my wreath five months ago, and thus far he has been an excellent addition. Very active, great personality, and has not bothered any corals. I do not have any clams. He put that in parentheses. He picks at the rock and mouths things, but has never injured any of my corals. Okay. Mouths things. I'm assuming that means he like he gives the corals a little smoochy, and he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't go over there and chomp, chomp, nom, nom him. All right. Um, we got we to gotta give Brian R a go. Brian R from Bridgeport, Connecticut said, I purchased a flame angelfish um, back in 2005. It has been in my 75-gallon aquarium about a year. It is a great tank mate that's peaceful, hardy, and very colorful. So there you go. The fish of the week. Wow, there are a lot of testimonials on it. There's 19. Um, there's the fish of the week. It's a really beautiful fish. If you have a larger tank and you're looking for uh, a nice fish that has a nice pop of color that you can add to your aquarium, the flame angel fish will be one to check out. So um, give that a look up on Live Aquaria or wherever you choose to purchase fish. Or, you know, if you just Google it or, you know, maybe you have a local fish store or you go to Petco, you know, whatever your, you know, whatever your deal is. Whatever it is, man. Whatever it is, man. Um, <laughs> all right, so... Um, Okay, that's it. Once again, I'm the Fish Tank Guy. I went about 45 minutes, sorry. Uh, I'm the Fish Tank Guy. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast and also for your continued support on my YouTube channel. My uh, my views and my subscribers are on the uppity up, so I'm happy about that. And um, if you guys have any comments or feedback or you have any suggestions for a future Fish Tank Guy podcast, I would really appreciate them. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Fish Tank Guy. Reach out to me whenever you want. Send me messages. I'm usually really responsive. I, I've had a couple people ask me about specific issues they've had with their aquariums, and they've sent me pictures, and I've tried to give them some good feedback and help them out. And you know, hopefully, I pointed them in the right direction. So um, that's all I've got for now. Um, I'll see you guys on the next podcast that will be in two weeks. Uh, you know, do yourself a favor, watch the Oli- Winter Olympics. It's Valentine's Day. Go out with your sweetheart, sit at home, eat a pizza, whatever you want to do. Um, have fun, live your life, and um, take it easy. I will see you guys in a couple weeks.